Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Freedom Church, when we come and we pull up a seat at the table of God, a life that is consistently increasing in freedom is available to you and to me. And I don't know about you, but I want to be more free tomorrow than I am today. And I want to be more free next week than I am tomorrow. And I want to be more free next month than I am next week for the rest of my life. And so this afternoon, we are going to have a look at what is freedom? How do we get it? And then what does it look like in our walking around, going to work, going to school, going, in, going to uni, coming to church, spending time with friends, mowing the lawn, sitting on our couch, scrolling through social media, day in, day out life. Is that okay? Yeah. Great. So ponder, if you would, for a moment, what is your initial thought when you think about freedom? I think of getting to do what I want when I want. We think of things like freedom of speech, right? Being able to speak up when we want to or we need to. Maybe things like moving out of home or getting your driver's license for the first time. I distinctly remember one of the first times I felt a sense of having freedom as a child. I was maybe like 11 years old and my mum decided that my sister and I were finally responsible enough to stay at home by ourselves when she went to work during the school holidays instead of having to leave us with someone to look after us. So it was very exciting. And she would leave us workbooks, math, science, English workbooks to get through during the day so we were being productive with our time. However, the way Sammy and I generally would use our freedom was sleeping in until 11 a.m., waking up, eating ice cream for breakfast, and then watching TV for five hours, and then only at the sound of the garage door opening in the evening, which indicated that mum was home, we would sprint to the kitchen table, sit down, grab the workbooks out, and go at it like we had been working hard all day. But the dictionary says that freedom is the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. So choice, right? Typically speaking, as humans, when we think of freedom, we think of our ability to choose. If I get to choose, that means that I'm free. If I get to choose whether I eat oats for breakfast, like I should, or ice cream for breakfast, like maybe I want to, then my 11-year-old self is free, right? (laughs) And if I can live how I want, do what I want, buy what I want, spend time with the people I want, look at what I want, behave how I want, get paid to do what I want then my adult self is free, right? It makes sense. But the only problem with that is that what makes sense to us as humans is so often very, very different to what makes sense to God, right? We don't think the same way. His ways, his thoughts, they're higher. And so if it's coming down to the definition, like whose version of freedom is more accurate, whose is better, the God of the universe who created this world and created you and me and this life and created freedom himself, itself, then his version is going to win every time. And in scripture, it talks about God's definition of freedom. It elaborates on it a bit. We're going to look this afternoon at James 1 verses 16 to 26, and it says this. 
So don't be misled, my brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And when when the scripture says the perfect law, it's, it's meaning the way that God calls us to live in his word. So it would seem then that freedom is not doing what we want when we want being able to choose. Freedom is living by the word of God. It's not really the first thing that comes to mind, is it? But as the scripture says, says, do not be misled. I think that we get misled every single day of our lives. I certainly do. By our feelings, our emotions, our own life experiences, the things that people say to us or around us, things we pick up in conversation on TV or on social media. One tiny example, when I was prepping for this message, I was on my Instagram explore page and an inspirational quote popped up in very aesthetic lettering and it said, truth is a feeling and you don't need to accept what doesn't feel right. With tens of thousands of likes and hundreds of affirmations in the comments, it would be shocking if it wasn't so widely accepted and so normal, right? Truth is not a feeling. Truth is the word of God. And if we're not to be misled, then that means that we need to get our understanding of freedom and of everything else directly from scripture. So, so directly from scripture, here is some truth about freedom this afternoon. Ephesians 1 verse 7, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Romans 3:24. yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Psalm 119:45. I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. 2 Corinthians 3.17, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John 8.36, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Very good. You know, we as humans, we think that if nobody is impeding on our ability to choose, then we think we have freedom. And then we proceed, all of us, to choose our way to self-gratification, selfishness, greed, discontentment, offense, entitlement, addiction, brokenness, sin ultimately to death. So church, let's not be deceived, right? It does not have to be that way, the Word of God says. God says when you come to His table, when you accept His salvation, you are set free. Jesus came to earth, God in the flesh, right? He died on that cross, taking the weight of every single way in which we don't measure up so that we could be free. Free to live by the words in the Bible so that we can walk in all of the good and perfect gifts that he has for our lives. Free to live a life that's so much bigger than just us and our little world, but is effective and impacting and reaches other people so they can come to the table and get in on the freedom and the goodness of God too. 
That's what we're talking about. And we don't have to do anything to receive that. It's a free gift on offer for us. Jesus already died and rose again. He already purchased. He already freed. Church, a life of freedom is available to us, and it's up to us how much we want to receive that and walk in it. And I know that many of us already know this. It might not be news to us, and yet we are so quick to settle for less than the freedom that is actually available to us in our lives. Things like, yeah, I know I'm saved, I know that I'm going to heaven, and and I love Jesus, but not enough to actually consult him on how I should live, like it says in his word, right? That's not total freedom. Or yes, I know that God says he gives me the spirit of a sound mind, but I don't believe that enough to actually go after it. I'm okay with living with a label of anxiousness for the rest of my life. It's not total freedom. Yes, I know God has great purposes for my life. I hear that in church all the time, but I maybe don't believe it enough to sacrifice something that I want right now, even if it'll take me outside of God's house or cause me to compromise. Because what if God's way doesn't work out, right? That's not total freedom. Yes, I know God's way is the best way, but deep down I'm not convinced that I won't miss out if I don't give the world's way a try. How will I connect with people at work if I don't make compromises in how I talk? Or does it really matter what I'm looking at if nobody knows? Or how will I have the time and the money to build the life that I'm supposed to if I put God's house first? All of that, that's not total freedom either. Church, I've noticed in my own life that every time I settle for less than the freedom that is available to me, how God says in his word, it's because I actually don't really and truly believe that it's his way that's going to fulfill me. I might know it up here because I hear it all the time at church and I, and I read that, but I'm not believing it in here. And that causes me to miss out on the good and perfect that he has for my life. So trying to live a life of, anybody, of freedom through anybody else's definition except for God's is a little bit like jumping out of a plane without a parachute, if you can visualize this. There are a couple of different ways that it can go, but it's ultimately ending in death, right? So in, in, in scenario one, you, you jump out of the plane, you realize that your parachute is broken, terrifying, and you have an absolutely petrifying descent to land before you die. But perhaps in a much less likely scenario, you jump out of the plane, but you have a poor understanding of how parachutes work. You don't know what it's supposed to be like, so you're unaware that yours is broken. You think, oh, this is just how skydiving is supposed to be. So you don't have a care in the world. You're having a great time. You love free falling. Feels amazing. But eventually, also, you're going to die. Either way, you never get to experience skydiving the way it's supposed to be experienced, okay? You might know that you're missing out, or you might be oblivious, but either way, you miss out on the real thing, and then you die. It's the same when we try to live free apart from God. There are different scenarios there too. Maybe you hate it. Maybe the consequences of living life away from God catch up with you really quickly, and you realize this can't be the way life is supposed to be, and so you're having a terrible time on your way to death, but maybe you're oblivious. Maybe you're having a great time living your life doing what you want, when you want, with who you want, in the pursuit of what is good to you, and you think that it's great, but in that scenario, what's lacking is the understanding that it can actually be better because you're not experiencing life and freedom the way that you were made to, the way that God designed you to. If it's good, it's only a hollow version of what is actually available to you and you're still on your way to death. 
But when you jump out of a plane with a fully functioning parachute, it's amazing. It is the way that it's supposed to be. And there is life and more life at the end of it, right? <laughs> Church. All of that to say, when we, when we live a life of freedom in God, we are totally fulfilled. Uh, we are experiencing the life the way that we were designed to experience it. And there is only life and more life to be experienced at the end of it. Can I encourage you and myself this afternoon, when we come to the table that God has prepared for us, let's not just pick at the freedom that he's laid out for us in the feast that he's served. Let's eat every course. Let's drink everything he's put out, committing to learning and absorbing everything that he has to say about every aspect of our lives so that we can get the good and perfect that he has for our lives. Let's not settle. And just before we keep going, just to be super clear, when we talk about freedom and we talk about the good and perfect that this scripture is referring to, it's not talking about a cruisy life, right, where bad things somehow don't happen to us because we're Christians, or if they do, God snaps his fingers and makes them go away, so for some reason we don't experience pain like everybody else. We all know that's not how life goes, whether we are followers of Jesus or not. But the good and perfect that this scripture is referring to means that no matter what happens, no matter what comes, in the inevitable good and the inevitable bad, we will have the lasting peace of God, we will have the deep joy of God, we will have his inner strength, his confidence, his perseverance and his love, and the ability to then extend that to other people. That is freedom. Okay, so we've established true freedom is living the way that God calls us to in his word. We've established how we can get it. Jesus already bought it, bought it for us with his life. It's ours if we want it. So how do we actually receive it? It is part of the shared human experience for us to feel like there are things in our life that are never going to go away, never going to change, never be different, that are stopping us from living a life of total freedom, right? I think that we can all relate to that. What do I do when I know that I could be free, but it's just so far from the reality of my life? When my days have a shadow over them because I'm constantly comparing myself to everyone else, or when I'm controlled by an addiction that I can't stop, when the pain that someone else inflicted on me has put my growth as a person and my joy at a standstill, when I just feel indifferent about God, I can't make myself love him, or I don't, know what, I don't know how to shake my laziness. Maybe I'm unsure if I want to shake my laziness. When I'm constantly held back by a lack of confidence or debilitated by my anxiousness, what do I do then? Uh, there's a writer and speaker, Anne Voskamp, who shares this story that I'm going to paraphrase for us. Imagine, if you would, a giant, giant, tall tropical snake that is the length of it is is larger than the, the height of a, of a tall man very unfortunately these do exist in some parts of the world so in this story one day a tropical snake like this larger than a man gets into the home of a lady who lives in the jungle by slithering up the slits of the stilts of her jungle home and so it's in her house, the woman sees it, she promptly screams at the top of her lungs and flings herself outside of her house, as she rightly would, as you and I would too. And one of her neighbours hears her scream, so they walk over with a machete, calmly go inside the house and lop the head off the snake, killing it. Now, I don't know how much you know about snakes, church, but they have an odd nervous system and an odd blood flow. Uh, which means that even after a snake has had its head chopped off and is completely dead, it can still slither around, which is terrifying. 
And so this lady is waiting outside of her house for hours whilst the snake is still inside, thrashing about against the windows, the chairs, the walls, breaking through, smashing windows. But even though she knew that the snake was dead, it couldn't kill her, the lady is too scared to go back into her home and get rid of it to save her home from being destroyed. Are you with me? Great. See, this is, that is the thing about a headless snake. It can keep wreaking havoc in a home until the owner decides to treat it for what it actually is, which is dead. Church, the enemy can only keep wreaking havoc in your life until you choose to treat him for what he actually is, which is defeated. He is defeated and you are free. That is the truth. He cannot hold you trapped because Jesus freed you. He cannot hold you back from the life that God has for you because Jesus paid for that life with his very own life. So let's choose to be who we truly are, which is free. Church, by the grace of God, we can silence the lies in our hearts and our minds. That comparison that shatters you, the addiction that controls you, the pain that hinders you, the indifference to God you feel like you can't shake, the laziness you don't want to shake, the lack of confidence that holds you back, or the anxiousness that debilitates you. These might be things that you experience, but they do not define you. Freedom defines you. Jesus took care of that. It's our choice if we want to receive it and how much we want to believe it. You know, freedom doesn't have to be tied to dramatic moments on the altar from our youth camp days. Freedom is ours. It's yours. It belongs to you. And we can live each and every day growing in it as we come to the table, taste the goodness of God, listen to his word, hear what he has to say, allowing it to absorb into our hearts and our minds transforming who we are from the inside out. The band, oh, they joined me already, great. Okay, so we have established that freedom is living the way God calls us to in his word. We've established that we get freedom by realizing that we already have it and by choosing to believe that it's what defines our life now. Jesus already paid for it. So now what does freedom look like in our walking around, going to work, school, uni, coming to church, spending time with our family, mowing the lawn, sitting on our couch, scrolling through social media day in, day out, life? Let's read our scripture again. James 1, 21 to 26. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Know God's word, remember God's word, do God's word. You know, it sounds a little bit like homework, but it's really not because the Bible is not a textbook. It is living, it is active, and it literally transforms us as we absorb it. Church, it's, it's so not about trying hard to be perfect. It's just about coming to the table, staying at the table, and eating and drinking of everything that is there on offer for us. All right, I'm, I'm wrapping up, but church, practically speaking, in our day in, day out life, freedom isn't never experiencing anxiety, right? It's when the reality of Jesus and the power that he is working in your life holds more weight in your heart and your mind than your anxious feelings. Freedom isn't being happy all the time and never struggling with the difficulties of life. It's when your peace and your joy, your resilience remain intact, even in the difficult situations, because all your hope is in Jesus. 
Freedom isn't a life where you never ever compare yourself to anyone else. It's a life where the knowledge of what God is doing in your life and your season is stronger than that pull to compare yourself to others. Freedom is not a life with no insecurities. It's when you're understanding that God made you, loves you, called you, set you apart for his purposes runs deeper than the insecurities that you will feel every day. It's not a life where you never experience loneliness because your relationships are great all the time. It's when your closeness to God prompts you to love and to reach out to others more than hurt or loneliness causes you to shrink back. Freedom isn't never being tempted to be like everyone else and do what they're doing. It's the confidence that comes through being close to God that allows us to know that even when we are tempted, God's way is actually the way that will fulfill us. Freedom is when Jesus is the most important person in your life, what he has to say is the most important opinion in your life, and when living his way is the most important thing in your life. That is when we are living as we were made to live, being who we were made to be, and we'll be living a life of freedom. Why don't you stand, church? I'd love to pray with us. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.